Welcome to the Elven Padawan Show, your place for everything Erebor to Echo Base. Now here's your host, Shay. Hello everyone, you're listening to the third episode of the Elven Padawan Podcast right now, where I, Shay, and my guest Evie will review the second half of the Star Wars Rebels Season 3 finale, Zero Hour. But real quick, before we get to that, there's some Star Wars news we need to cover. On the Saturday before last, June 17th, the first episode of LEGO Star Wars The Freemaker Adventure Season 2 premiered on Disney XD. Titled Trouble on Tibble, this new episode featured the Freemaker family in their new jobs with the Rebel Alliance, while Rowan struggles to find his place as a Jedi learner and 12-year-old kid in a galaxy-wide civil war. It also introduced the series' new villain, an assassin droid built by Emperor Palpatine himself named M.O.C. This new baddie has been tasked with hunting down and destroying Rowan Freemaker once and for all. But the biggest excitement for Star Wars fans was the appearance of two favorites from Star Wars Rebels. Master Shipbuilder Quarry and Ace Pilot, now top Rebel leader and ranking at General, Hera Syndulla. This episode also featured new outfits for the Freemakers, as well as a slightly different outfit for Hera than the one she currently wears in Rebels. The season will continue starting Monday, July 31st and air new episodes every Monday through Thursday up until Wednesday, August 16th. Also in Star Wars news, there has been a change in the director of the upcoming and still unnamed Han Solo anthology film. Originally directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, Lucasfilm released an announcement on June 22nd that the film will now be directed by Ron Howard. The Han Solo film is still slated for a May 25th, 2018 release. Now I have two quick comments to read for my listeners regarding the last episode. First off, Ray14 says, I had never noticed that Thrawn mispronounced Sindula, or the point that he doesn't know the Rebels completely. There were more really good points that I noticed, but I need to go back and listen again. The part from Holocrons of Fate at the end was so cool to have in there too. Even with the editing program glitching, it sounded pretty great. Thanks so much for that, Ray14. I can't take full credit for that little bit though, as there were others who noticed it before me. But another interesting thing along the same line is that Thrawn also mispronounces Hondo's last name. Everyone else says it like Onaka, while Thrawn tends to say it more like Onaka. Also, Elias said, I liked how you talked about Hera, and I agree that she can be really committed to a cause, no matter what the cost is. I was wondering if some of that was from Cham, because he's kind of the same way. Can't wait for part two. I agree with you, Elias. I think it's very interesting to see how similar Hera and Cham are, like how we saw on season two with the episode Homecoming, and how they both seem to be taking a similar progression of getting more and more committed to their cause. Thanks for sending in those comments, guys. If anyone has any more questions or comments relating to topics from the episodes, or even something they'd like me to discuss or investigate on here, then please do not hesitate to send them in. You can send stuff from the contact form on my website, or email them in using the address shay at elvenpadawan.com. So now here's the rest of that review of Zero Hour. I hope you enjoy. So then back on Adelon, there's a shield generator, and this is the kind we saw in the Clone Wars, and I love the old prequels Clone Wars tech. 
And did you ever see those in Clone Wars, the great big huge shield generators, what they had? Yes, they they used them with whatever Jar Jar is. Yeah. They yes. used them with his species yeah, to, I remember. Tr- per, to protect them. Um, I don't know what was attacking them. I don't exactly remember. But the they, droids. Yes, the droids, yeah. Um, and they used it to protect them. I love that old prequels Clone Wars stuff. I, I love it so much. And everybody hates it. They don't like the prequels. And I'm like, I thought that was awesome. I love, like, the shield generators. I'm like, I wish they would have had... I wish we would have seen this kind of stuff more in the originals. Like, we know they had one very much like this in Empire Strikes Back. Because remember, the first thing they did when they dropped the walkers was target the shield generator. That big lumpy thing that the guy's looking at through the scope. We know they had one, but we don't actually see it the way we do in the prequels. So, anyway, it's so cool to see that. And good old Zeb and Rex Rex are... They're war buddies now. I love seeing them work together. It's awesome. I'm like, oh, they love this. And they both seem to love guns. Oh, yeah. They both love guns. And that's what's so cool about seeing, like, the clones now. Yeah, they're old, and yeah, they may be a little bit chubby, but (laughs) they still fight, and that's still in their blood. And Zeb fits right in with them, and I think we're going to see Callus fit right in, too. My sister thinks that they're going to be the old men's club, like the old men's soldiers club, and they're just going to be all buddies. And that's going to be awesome to see. And, like, tell old man jokes and stuff. Yeah, and I can <laughs> talk about the weather and, and just be, it's lovely weather outside today. Tomorrow it's supposed to be 70. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's going to be really interesting to see, and I can't wait to see Callus. Because I'm like, yes, he got out. Because I've loved him, like, since the first season. I really hoped he'd come back. When Hera gets back on the ground, she calls Kanan and says, hey, what what went on? And he's like, I'm, I'm heading back. He's like, I'm coming back as fast as I can. And she's like, well, come faster. And it wasn't like she was being rude. She was just, like, urging, we really need to get on the ground. And I love it when they have those little back and forth. It's not even like Han and Leia, like Han and Leia flirting. It's just, like, them being best friends and talking back and forth. And I love that. And we didn't see much of it. But we got to see some more of it this season. And I think we might see some more of it in season four. It's just, like, everybody grew up in season three. And they're all more serious now. And that kind of makes me sad. When the bombardment started, Thrawn saw that they had a shield and he started firing on them. Hera was just like breaking down into pieces because she just saw everything crashing down right. before her. The The shield was getting bombarded. Exactly. Zeb and Rex were trying their best to keep it up, but it was going down. Yeah. But, and then all was well because... Thrawn said all of a sudden, seize your fire, dudes. Exactly. And see, that's what I was thinking about, is that she sees the bombardment kind of, she sees them start shooting. And there's Wedge, and there's Dodonna, and there's everybody else, and she's standing there watching it. And they're all standing there watching it for a few minutes. And then they all disappear. They all run off and take cover, because they're like, we're getting ready to get blown up. She didn't move. She stood right there and watched it the whole time. And at first, it's like, I don't know what's going on. And then it's like, it settles over her. I'm about to die. And she doesn't curl up in a ball on the ground. She doesn't go hide in a in a crate. Or she doesn't go take any sort of cover. She won't even cover her head to the last minute. At the very last minute, you see it come over her eyes. This is the end. I'm going to die. But she doesn't move. And only there at the very end, she looks down. Because that would be really hard. Even Jen and Cassian don't look at the Death Star when they're about to die. They look away and down. So They hug I, each other. 
Exactly. And they I love feel each like, other to avert their eyes. Exactly. And I feel like that's interesting because it shows who Hera is. For all she knows, she's about to die and she doesn't even try to take cover. She's like, here it is. She doesn't want to cower before Thrawn. And if you notice, the way the camera kept cutting back and forth, it would show her eyes and then show Thrawn. And then show her and show... And it looked like they were looking at each other. Like they were having a staring contest. His eyes were narrowing. He was like, I've got them now. And it's like, you know he's thinking, I've her got eyes her were now. widening. Exactly. And they're... It's like they're literally looking right at each other. You know they can't see each other. But it's like they're still looking at each other. And he's getting more and more smug. And she's the reality is setting in that she's gonna die then what does he say he's like they've had enough and he stops right he could have blown up the whole base right then and there but he didn't i think it was him number one testing and just telling them i could blow you up if i want to but i'm playing a game with you and number two especially with the way the camera was cutting it looked like they were actually staring at each other he stops he literally stops firing the minute she looks down the minute she submits to she's not submitting to him she's submitting to i'm gonna die now the minute she looks down and thinks it's over then he stops he had to he just couldn't help but he had to want to see her bow her head in front of him and that's that's almost weird that's messed up and then just the look on her face when he stops firing and the shield holds and she's just like so completely happy the first thing she does as soon as the shield holds is she calls kanan to make sure he's okay because i mentioned this to you when we were watching it is that as soon as the the firing starts she calls for kanan she says take cover hide and the weird thing is i didn't see her holding a comm link when she said that and I mentioned to you, I was like, wait, was she just saying that because she was thinking about him? Like, she wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, she was just saying it. Kind of like she was just, like, so frantic, she forgot that's what to I'm pick thinking. up the comm link. I'm wondering if it was that, because that doesn't quite seem like her, but I'm wondering if it was that, or if the console was still on and she was still talking to him through the console, because we saw her turn the console off. But maybe that's, but we didn't see him listening to a comm link or anything, so maybe, maybe she was actually talking to, to him. Sh- to his breast pocket. I mean, they do that right. all the time on Clone Wars. Have you ever yeah. not seen a comm link on Anakin? Exactly. So, I mean, maybe she did actually talk to him, but it just, every when I watched it the second third times, I was like, huh, I don't see her with the comm link. I, I wonder if he she actually was talking to him or if she was just, you know, hollering that out because she was so frantic, like you said. And then, then when she tries to call him and he doesn't respond, it's like, oh, poor Hera. And then, like, he does respond. And I had a friend who... He's moaning and groaning. He's like, yeah. aww. He's, and, and he said, uh, it looks like Thrawn is actually trying to kill us this time. That and was a joke. Since he got... Exactly, it was a joke. And I was like, oh, yay, Kanan can still joke. Um, because ever since he got blinded, he's been very serious and very, like, the perfect Jedi master. And he never cracks a joke. Like, used to, he always cracked jokes when they were supposed to be fighting and acting goofy and stuff and it's good to see him growing up but it's kind of sad to not see him be just that yeah he's not like saying hey guys they're over here exactly not anymore exactly and it kind of made me feel bad but i like that he made that they made that little kind of joke and she said oh that is only funny because you're still alive now please come home love i had a, a friend who watched this episode and she was like oh my goodness she said it again because that we saw that all the time in season one and then season two she doesn't do it anymore she didn't do it at all in season two she didn't do it at all in season three up to then and then she did it again everybody's like whoa why'd she do that for 
I'm going to try not to read into it too deep because a lot of people are like, oh my goodness, she said love. And then they have all these long, drawn out, freaking out sessions about, oh, she said love again. And I'm like, I think it was partly because this whole season we've seen her very determined and unattached. Like, the rebellion comes first. But then now she's like, whoa, she almost lost her best friend in the whole galaxy. And that kind of shocked her a little bit before she always said it like a joke right she always said it like i mean like you always knew there was a little bit of something to it because they obviously care for each other a lot or maybe she was just attempting to make a joke back you know what i mean so that or there might be a real connection between them i mean oh I've there's definitely episodes one there's definitely one where that it's hints that they're like in love well they definitely they definitely like each other's friends. But they definitely, I, I would say they definitely love each other. They don't, thank goodness, they don't go overboard like Anakin and Padme. Because that would be, that would mess the whole show up. But, you know, they definitely care for each other a lot. I would say they definitely love each other. But that's not the main focus. They're in a war. Yeah. Alright. Then it went back to... Uh, Ezra is talking with Sabine and he's trying to plead with her and her family to come help. And and Ursa is like, we're in the middle of a civil war. We can't help you. We're about to get wiped out. The Empire's beating us up too. And I love that, you notice Tristan, her brother, she had painted a loth cat on his shoulder. I love that. And Sabine tells him that she says that her friends can make the impossible possible and that if Ezra thinks they need help she wants to help them and Ursa finally relents and says you know what I never thought my daughter was going to come back and she did so I can't send all our people I can't come but you can take who you need and of course that does end up saving the day because it hadn't been for that they would have all been wiped out but just the looks that Sabine and Ursa are giving each other. Sabine and her mom. Ursa just looks so completely proud of Sabine. Because Sabine steps forward and starts planning out and saying, We can do this and I'll take these fighters. And we can save the day and we can do these things. And the way she's looking at her, it's like... She's back with her family and her family really does love her. And she and Ursa is so proud of Sabine. And that's just really sweet to see. Because we know Sabine was always so broken. And she lost her family. And she felt like they hated her and they they banished her more or less and now they're back together and she's Thrawn leaves the fleet and Governor Price's command he tells her that you take care of everything and he is going to go down and personally lead the attack on the ground and so like I said on Cronast the Mandalorians are going to help and Sabine takes a handful of Tristan and Ezra and they head off to help take out the interdictor. So then Grand Admiral Thrawn gets to Adalon with a fleet of walkers and they breach the shields. Rex makes this, Rex or Zeb, one of them says, we need Sabine to invent a shield that they can't walk through. And honestly, when I was little, that always confused me. I was like, wait a minute, what good is in Phantom Menace, like what you're saying, what good is the shield if the droids can walk right in it? Grand Admiral Thrawn gets to Adalon. Stormtroopers are attacking them on the ground. Tides and A-Wings are fighting in the sky. And the fleets are also battling in space. And meanwhile, here come Ezra and the Mandalorians to save the day and take out the Interdictor. I love it because 
Ezra is calling down to Hera. He's like, we've got reinforcements. We're going to take it out. And she doesn't answer. Because, of course, she's fighting on the ground. And Sabine's like, don't worry. She'll get him out. We just got to do our job. And you remember in season one, Sabine had a really hard time trusting Hera. It's really sweet now to see, wow, she totally trusts her. She doesn't even need to talk to her. Thrawn gets to Hera, Kanan, and the rest of the rebels. He tells them that they will surrender or die one by one. Meanwhile, the Bindu has turned into this great big storm cloud and he's trying to electrocute everybody. When it, I find it interesting that when he gets to Hera and all the rest of the rebels, it's Hera and there's Kanan and there's rebel soldiers and there's General Dodonna. And like I said, he's one of the top guys in the whole rebellion. But instead of Thrawn come marching up and saying, General Dodonna, I can take you down now and wipe out the entire rebellion. He start talking to Hera again. He is so obsessed with her. Like, General Dodon is standing right there. He's, what, like, ten steps up from Hera? As far as ranking goes, at least five. And he still would rather take out Hera. He, he says, you're gonna watch your friends die one by one, starting with your Jedi. And then here comes the Bindu, and he's yelling and shouting, I bring death. And he starts electrocuting everything. And <laughs> the funny thing to me is that when Thrawn looks up, he sees it, he says, What Jedi devil is this? Now, in uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, when Boromir first sees the Balrog... What is this new devilry? It's like the same quote. And actually, when you think about it, the Balrog and the Bindu are... I mean, not in a lot of ways, but they do have a similar form. As uh, they continue to be attacked, the rebels run to the ghost and get off the planet, while Ezra and the Mandalorian strike team are still trying to get rid of the Interdictor ship. And they finally do and the ship blows up and the interdictor explodes. Price is in bad trouble and Callus is taunting her like, oh, you've messed up all of Thrawn's plans. He's not going to be happy with you. And of course she says, throw him out the airlock. This guy's getting on my nerves. And of course he beats up the troopers and he escapes. I find this suspicious. Even though he, you th know he's punched them, they just fall over like sedated pigs. Yeah, I know. They just fall <laughs> over. I and mean, the funny thing is, he's ready to get the escape pod, and that one just keeps falling and falling. He keeps slumping more and more. Then he sends a transmission with the fulcrum symbol and basically says, help me. And of course, Seb wants to help him. So they scoop him up and they get his pod before it's too late. So what did you think about that? About Callus escaping? I find the slumping stormtroopers pretty funny because yeah. you don't know if he just punch them or use like a Vulcan death grip exactly <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with Star Trek but yeah yeah let's start Vulcan Trek. death grip Vulcan death grip exactly classic um anyways um he might use the Vulcan death grip but that's a whole different movie so exactly <laughs> I think that it will be awesome if he's like a double agent mm -hmm. but they know he's on the rebel side now right. unless something happens to Thrawn and all his agents that know Right. You remember what Kallus is? He's not just an Imperial officer. He is an ISB agent. ISB stands for Imperial Security Bureau. So also he has, he's been a fulcrum agent and he has all this inside information about the Republic. It just, or not the Republic, the Empire. It just makes sense that he's, when, now that he's working with the Rebellion, that he's also going to be in security. Well, guess what character was like one of the top leaders of the rebellion's like intelligence not security i mean intelligence like spies and cassian exactly <laughs> and i'm like wait a minute this means more or less callus and cassian are going to end up working together right 
Yeah. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So now we have a super good chance of seeing Cassian show up in the next season. I mean, maybe I'd not. I'd like to see but... Jen too, but Cassian would just be like, oh. I know, it would be awesome because he'd be like, yes. And it just makes sense that, I mean, once again, Callus's thing is security. His thing is being a spy. And that's basically what Ka- what Cassian is. Kittenness, this is going to be a tongue twister if they do end up working together. Maybe K and C intelligence group <laughs> and uh that's gonna be awesome and i know a lot of people think we will see cassian and i really hope we do i wonder if we do who'll voice him do you think the same actor who played him in rogue one will i imagine voice him? i would assume so because he has a very distinct voice and accent right his accent, accent is so obvious but that would be awesome if they had diego luna voice him the ghost crew and the rebels have escaped They've got callus. They've jumped to light speed, and they've suffered serious losses. And hopefully, they can recover. But they—they've escaped. The ghost crew is whole and back on Adlon. Thrawn had ordered all his troopers to fire at the center of the storm, and the Bindu fell out, and Thrawn hunted him down. And the Bindu's laying on the ground, acting very wounded. He says these very threatening things, exactly. and then Thrawn has this horrible glint in his eye—the same that. Ben Solo, I'm not oh going to goodness. say Kylo Ren, I, I just had know. in his eye. I didn't even notice that. Before he killed his dad, he Thrawn had that same glint in his eye. Yeah. If you hadn't noticed, anyway. I didn't notice that. Um, he before he pulled the trigger, and then the Bendu wasn't there anymore. For a minute, he does not understand this being. He can't totally strategize. Like he's and used he sort to, of stammered. What did you see? He stammered it. I mean, he's, he's like curious. What, what and he's did like, you see? And the interesting thing is. This is like I think feel like I feel like like one of the one times ever that we right. scared in a sense because it messes with his head that he cannot list off what this guy is he can't figure out every single movie he's gonna make and then when he disappears and and all you hear is that echoing laugh he's laughing at something Bindu's not dead Bindu's still out there and Thrawn. He's furious. He's well, furious. And he's scared, too, because he can't figure this thing out. And he doesn't like things they can't figure out. So, do you think we'll see Bindu back in the next season? Uh-huh. I wonder. Possibly. Or or maybe he'll be referenced in The Last Jedi. Because in The Last Jedi teaser, there's, um, like, a bookshelf or a tree or something. I can't remember. It looked like something from Adlon. So, maybe he'll be mentioned in The Last Jedi. I mean, we know Luke was on Octo, but... Anyway. So... Um, finally, they, uh, they've escaped, and they're battered and bruised and, and hurt very badly, but they have escaped, and they're ready to carry on the fight. They're not giving up, and they're going to Yavin. And you know where Yavin is? That's the rebel base in A New Hope and Rogue One. So, this is awesome. And they're less than two years away from A New Hope now. And, um, Ezra, he can't figure it out, and he's, he's like... We lost everything. And Kanan tells him, there's a future for us. One where we're all free. But it's up to us to make it happen. And Ezra just kind of looks at him. And Ezra, you know he's decided he's not giving up. Kanan's not giving up. And that last line, also a little bit concerned about that last line. Because he says, there's a future for us. One where we're all free. And I'm like, yeah, but what if you all die before you see it? Because that doesn't happen until after Return of the Jedi. And then less than 30 years later, Ben Solo starts the rebellion up again and, and tries to bring the Empire back to life. I really, that last line gives me hope that maybe Kanan, at least, 
will uh, live. Like, we know Hera will live because she's in Rogue One. We know Chopper. But I really hope that Kanan and Ezra survive. I don't and know. And I will be horribly disappointed if either one of them turns into Snoke. I highly oh, no. doubt Kanan, but... That would be sad. Ezra is just, like, he's, like, on the edge of a cliff. Right, he's got to decide. Jumping into the eternal abyss of uh, the dark side. If he, he's got to If decide. he goes away from the cliff and back to his family, he will be eternally happy. If he, exactly. If this horrid force of anger pushes him off, he will fall into the dark abyss of right. evil. In the beginning of the season, everybody was like, oh no, all Ezra has to do is... is uh, Get angry. Yeah, all he's got to do is get angry and he's going to turn into Snoke and it's going to be awful and he's going to be a bad guy. But now he's doing a lot better. He's stopped. He's at a crossroads. And he's got to decide, is he going to be light? Is he going to be dark? Is he going to fight? What What is he going to do? And, is he going to be like the the Bendu and right. just say he's in the middle but, but he's I mean, actually not? Even he saw that didn't work out. So that's something that I wonder about. And the, at Star Wars Celebration... They were talking about season four and what we'll see happen in season four. And the actor who plays Ezra, Taylor Gray, he said, at this point in season four especially, we're going to see Ezra at a crossroads. And he's going to have to decide what kind of person he wants to be, what kind of Jedi he wants to be. Does he want to be good? Does he want to be bad? Basically, what he wants to do with his life. And so now, season four is going to be about him deciding and well, this is like choosing between pizza and ice cream. Exactly. They're both very tempting, but you gotta go for one. Right. Say, ice cream is the dark side and it's very tempting and cold, but pizza is the light side. It's, right. It's warm and welcoming. Exactly. And it has a lot more substance to it. It has more protein and stuff, so you won't yep. get hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and you won't get brain freeze if you eat pizza. Exactly. I hope not. Um, That would be weird. But... <laughs> but I don't know. I, I don't think Ezra's going to turn bad at this point. I want to see him actually live. I don't want to see him die. We'll have to see in the next season. I cannot stand waiting for the next season because you have to wait till fall. Duh! And I don't know. I saw on, on Wikipedia it said September, but I think that was something somebody just made up. I'm Cute. not sure. I'm not sure that's actually real. I don't know. Hopefully we won't have to wait too long. Now I have just one more thing to address in my review of this episode. After my friend Christian first saw it, he mentioned that it would have made more sense if Thrawn had just continued to fire on the rebel base during the initial aerial bombardment. Since he didn't do this and instead took a team in on the ground, it meant that he lost some of the rebels, including General Dodonna and the Ghost crew. Now I know we touched on this a little in the review, and I mentioned that Thrawn wanted to see submission from them. And from what the way the shots are done between Thrawn and Hera in that part, it really does look that way. But if you step away from that for a second, there actually was a legitimate reason that he didn't go ahead and finish off the rest of the rebellion during that bombardment. In the very beginning of Zero Hour, when Thrawn is laying out his plan before Tarkin, Tarkin tells Thrawn that he wants the leaders captured alive. Thrawn tells Tarkin that it might be tough to achieve, but Tarkin insists and Thrawn says he'll do his best. In the end, it was Tarkin's fault that those who escaped were able to do so. If he hadn't put that stipulation on Thrawn, Thrawn would have been able to wipe them all out at once. But because Tarkin wanted the leaders alive, he had to pull back and launch the ground assault, which 
ultimately led to the leaders, including Dodonna and Hera, escaping. Either way, though, it was a major loss for the rebellion. Many of us fans would be quick to label it as a victory, simply because the ghost crew, the center of the story of Rebels, escaped, when that's not true at all. So that's the end of my review of Zero Hour. Please check out the website and blog at www.elvinpadawan.com. If you want to contact me with a question or comment on the show, or a discussion topic for future episodes, you can email me at shay at elvinpadawan.com. And Shay is spelled S-H-A-Y. Please subscribe and leave me a review on iTunes, Google Play Music, or SoundCloud. Oh yeah, I finally got this podcast on Google Play. Sound effects from the episode were from Free Sound Project at freesound.org. A complete list of sound effects can be found at elvinpadawan.com, along with other show notes for this episode. Once again, thanks for listening. May the wind under your wings carry you to where the sun sails and the moon walks, and the force be with you always. Goodbye!